inspiration and purpose is so needed. We find it to help you change your life. With me today, I have Dr. Christiana Wolf, who um, is amazing, MD, PhD, uh, recently had her book come out, Outsmart Your Pain, you know, a mindfulness way, um, excuse me, a mindfulness and self-compassionate or self-compassionate, sorry, I'm messing up your book title, um, to help you leave chronic pain behind. I'll get those words out of my mouth eventually there. Um, you also co-authored the Clinical Clinician's Guide to Teaching Mindfulness. I, I love that, you know, helping people write more. Um, you run and you, you co-chair Insight LA, which also you do YouTubes where you teach meditation and mindfulness. Uh, you're a teacher. Uh, you you also supervise mindfulness um, practitioners and help them. You're obviously a speaker. You do public speaking, um, and you develop training programs. And you're you know you work with you know you're a Buddhist teacher as well. I what else can you have in your background, Christina? <laughs> I'm like oh my god, it's a load of stuff. So wow, I know that you're from Germany, from you know originally from Berlin. How, how did you, what inspired you to go into mindfulness from, you know, the original clinical practitioner stuff? Yeah, um, you know, I actually was into mindfulness before I got into medicine, which is quite interesting, but I really um, got into meditation because I was looking for like a way of life for a spiritual meaning in life and which just I mean as a teenager just searching and I found Buddhism and that just made a lot of sense to me and what I really loved mostly about that was that like the Buddha said is don't just believe something because somebody tells you but make sure this is really true within your own experience and that made sense to me at that point. I didn't want anybody to tell me what to believe. And just to go like, okay, try it. That just made a lot of sense. And then, so I started meditating and like on and off, on and off, because it's really hard to have a daily practice. <laughs> I know, like a lot of people struggle just like with exercise. It's just like, we know it's so good. And then we do it for a little bit, we fall off. So that was me for many years. But I also really feel like then I got admitted to medical school and it really actually helped me to get to through medical school. And so for me, um, that is, I brought that kind of perspective into medical practice right from the beginning. You told the story about how the Buddhism came to you and you brought it through, but was there any a point where there was any stress or anything and it really like this practice became so mandatory in your life that you, you realized how important it was? I think for me, it was just, I really remember that moment when, um, so I didn't read about Buddhism, but I met somebody who was a practicing Buddhist. And there was something, I mean, I was just like normal struggling teenager, right? So there was like no major life event. But I remember in that moment that I realized that person has something that I wanted. It was mm. just about how they were. And then I, I met some of um, 
his friends and the way they were with each other. And they were just like, there was just something like really more calm and relaxed about them. And I was pretty high strung. So maybe that was my moment that I thought like, I need that. I need that. Whatever they have, I want that, right? <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, beautiful. So you, you make this transition to the US, um, to LA and, uh, you know, how did that change go for you? What, you know, you still inspired to keep going and do what you love. So how did that change go for you? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. It actually took many years. So like our original plan was to come to go and live in, in LA for one year. While I was on maternity leave with our oldest child. I know there are like tons of LA stories. People say like, yeah, I wanted to just be here for a year. And they're like 20 years later. So that's me now. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, But we never went back. And that was actually quite a struggle, right? Because I really loved my profession. And then I thought for a while, it's like, maybe I want to get licensed in the US, but then I would have had to do my residency again. And at that point, I had three young children. And also like this, um, the mindfulness training really started to take off. And I thought this is so much more sane, honestly, than uh, working as a physician, right, in the US. And then I also realized with like that combination, I could actually help other clinicians for themselves right and then when you help yourself then you also help the people around you which is something that people often really struggle with this idea is just it feels so selfish do you take time for yourself and isn't it just navel gazing it's just like oh no no (laughs) you're the people around you know whether you are centered whether you're calm right and so that's, that's, yeah. and, and so that's kind of, that was kind of my transition, but it, I tell you, wow. it was hard. It was hard because I really loved working as a physician. Wow. Wow. Well, I know we're grateful to have you um, in this, in this world doing what you do because you have, and I've watched your YouTubes. I've researched you quite a bit, your book, your book, you know, outsmarting your pain. I think this is brilliant because people do have chronic pain and right yes. and emotional chronic pain. Oh, it's not yes. Yes. physical. Yes. And and especially coming off COVID right now, having the psychology background, the wave of depression when people oh. don't have something to go for, the anxiety they have worrying about where the next paycheck, you know, industry must be booming with what you do. Your book sales <laughs> must be off off the roof, I keep thinking. So so um, is there anything you can give people today to help them inspire and, and bring in that maybe that calm, that beauty that we have inside? Yeah, there are like two things that I find are really helpful for people who are just trying to figure out. So what is mindfulness and or what is self-compassion and how is that all working? And one thing is, so when we're practicing mindfulness is like... Um, being with whatever is here in the most beneficial way, right? And what happens, of course, with chronic pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, is we don't like pain, of course. Nobody likes pain and we want to get rid of it. But what happens is that we push away the pain. Does that make it go away? No, right? So now we not only have the pain, but we also have the resistance against the pain which is very natural, right? But we often are not aware of how much actually we're making the pain worse. 
So let's say, so there's pain in this moment, whether it's emotional or whether it's, it's physical pain. And then what we start to see when we start to meditate, any meditation really, is that the mind is really ever in the present moment, right? So where the mind goes is it either goes into the past, right? And it does some rehashing over here, or it goes into the future and it does some rehearsing over here. And usually it does both, right? So the problem is that the body is only ever in the present moment, right? And the stress reaction, which is that's what we feel the tension or the contraction is only happening in the body or the whole like body mind system, which is in the present moment. And we know this, right? So if you had something stressful happening, like whatever last week, and you don't think about it, you're fine, right? The moment you think about it, it's like, bam, you just feel the stress immediately, right? And it's not, yeah. it's, it's over, right? It's something that happened last week. And we do the same thing. It's just like, <gasps> right? So anticipating what's going to happen next month. And so what we are carrying is really, we carry the past and we carry the future on top of the present moment, right? And in particular with an emotional pain, right? My friend lied to me, whatever, right? Or I have a chronic pain. So in that moment, the story of the past lays on top of the present moment and the story of the future also lays on top of the present moment. And then we, I, I wish I had a third hand <laughs> so I could have like one, one for the present, one for the past. Oh, thank you. Yes. So well, we mine. <laughs> right. So we would make a sandwich and then we see, oh, now I'm not only carrying the pain of the present moment, but I'm also at the same time carrying and holding the pain of the past and the future, right? And so right. what we want to do as part of the practice is say, like, okay, so imagine right now there was no past and there was no future just for now, right? And see what are you left with right now, right? Mm. And very often what happens, of course, and I mean, this is not like a magic bullet or something, but people will say like, it's actually not that bad right now, right? So like we start to see that and, and we need to see that with a lot of self-compassion, right? So that is the other thing, right? So self-compassion is really the capacity to become a better friend for ourselves, right? So most of us are, really good with being good friends to others. We're really compassionate with other people. Not so much, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's hard. Like we haven't learned that. And so that is something, but it, we can learn that, right? So we can learn to be kinder to ourselves. And it really starts with, right? So what would a friend say when you're in a hard place, right? They say like, this is really hard right now, right? And I'm here for you. Right. And that is way more helpful than like the activity, like, oh, I need to try to fix this, need to do this. It's just like pause and say, like, this is hard. And we can really learn to do that for ourselves, right? To say, like, this is a rough moment. Right. And then, right, because the way that we talk to ourselves, it matters. Right. I know that's a lot part of your work, too. It's just like really yep. listen to how you talk to yourself because you're listening. Right. 
And if somebody says this is hard, then your body can go like, yes, yes, it's hard right now. And then something can start to soften and shift. I, I have done this work myself uh, when I was suffering from anxiety and that acknowledgement that, yeah, it, whatever I'm going through is not fun, but in this moment now, mm -hmm. everything's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It may not be great, <laughs> but yes. I'm alive. Yes. Right. And it's okay. And right. that, that shift gets you to take that next step instead of being frozen mm -hmm. or, or in fear, flight, fright, fight, you know, all those uh, yeah. moments. So beautiful, beautiful share. Thank you so much. Um, so I think people will be able to use this going forward, but you also, you, you use this, you said with practitioners, um, in the medical field. Is mindfulness now coming and being part of the medical field? I mean, it, is medicine changing? A little bit? <laughs> it is, yes, right? Like, yeah. fingers crossed. Um, we're, I think we're moving in that direction. Um, and I know that more and more, like, for example, medical uh, training programs have mindfulness classes now. I mean, like for the very practical reasons that like the medical students are super stressed out, right? And when we're super stressed out, we're not doing our best work. So in a way, it's very self-serving, right? To make sure people know how to take care of themselves. And unfortunately, the medical profession in particular is very, um, how to say that? It's, it's hard for physicians to acknowledge that they need help or that, that they struggle. Right. So there is like this, like toughen it out mentality, unfortunately. But I really feel that like, like over the last decade, I've seen a lot of more like physicians coming to take classes, for example, or just be more open. So I feel like there is like slowly like a generational shift that is happening. And so with yeah. that, I think that it, it opens up. Yeah. And the thing is just like as wonderful as Western medicine is, right, there is just a lot of things that we can't solve, right? Chronic pain sure. being one of them, seriously, right? Right. Yeah. Despite all the medications, no, right? All the medications. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like and surgery and still people are in pain. So we want to give them more yeah. options, right? We're not saying like no to medications, not saying no to surgery, but saying like, see what makes sense and see where you can take back the rein and say like, this is my body, right? This is my heart and my mind. And I really want to take care of itself. I think that's so powerful because we forget. I mean, I understand, um, you know, our emotions run rampant but our thoughts are something we can catch and our thoughts often trigger our emotions. There's so much power in, in that and, and we can inspire ourselves to say, I can have control. I can do this. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. What, what inspires you to do this work and keep doing this work? You know, it's, it's honestly, I still keep changing and growing. And I still really, really love my, my practice and my meditation practice. And I love to, I mean, it's like, it feels to me like it's a deepening spiral, 
right? Mm. So it feels like I've been looking at these teachings like for many, many years now, but it, they, they deepen. And every time I come back to certain teachings, I'm a different person, right? And then I look at it from a different angle and go like, oh, I haven't thought about this, right? And, um, and that's really one thing that I really love about these teachings. It feels like they never get old, right? And I still feel really inspired by them. And they, what I also really love is that they're like really, they reach into every single aspect of my life. Right? And this is really, so it's not like, here's my meditation practice and here's the rest of my life, right? But how I talk to my children or how am I with my partner or how am I with my colleagues or like, how am I with the environment, right? They're all really influenced by um, my, my practice because that's really the lens that I choose to um, view the world through, if that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. Um, you know, I, I'm going to share a little story that I, I did a mindful practice in the car one day, I was sitting in the parking lot. And in just that 20 minutes that I did, I just needed a break and did some mind. And I went in shopping and I had the strangest experience, experience because it was like everybody in the store said hello to me. Didn't matter who it was, everybody said yeah. hello to me. And yeah. it, it almost, being from LA, um, it almost freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why is everybody saying hello? Yeah, I know. And that centered place that you're in. Yeah, people feel it that. It changes. Yeah. yeah. And they want to be close. And, and they, Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I've had those moments too. Just like, and then makes me really realize how, when I'm not connected with that, how closed down I am, right? Yeah. And if I'm like open up and look around, then people are there and willing to meet that, which is really beautiful because, right? I mean, you talked about the pandemic and how people feel so isolated, right? And so overwhelmed and so at the edge of breaking, right? And so, like, really, like, small moments can sometimes make a really big difference. And small. I mean, we have 24 hours in the day. Taking 20 or or three, <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything, <laughs> a moment at the stoplight um, can can change can change your whole day. Uh, yeah. Do you have Do you have a certain meditation? Obviously, you know the Buddhist practitioner that you do that that piece that you do is is your yours, but if anybody watching this goes, okay, how do I do this? How do I begin to meditate? Because it still is, even though everybody talks about it, it still is out there. And there's, you know, different kinds. What do I do? Do you have any yeah. examples? Yeah. I mean, like the easiest thing is really, and that doesn't take any, any prep or something, right? It's just like become aware of your body right now, right? So that would be just, can you feel your body? sitting here right I mean we can do this I'm doing that right now so feel your body feel like where your body is in contact so I can feel the chair you can feel the ground under my feet you can take a breath I can look around and in this moment I'm not lost in thoughts right and then 
that actually comes back to something you asked earlier, uh, which I wanted to come back to. So how can we invite more joy in or more happiness, right? And that is so, right, we, the mind has this negativity bias. So we'll always focus on what is wrong, right? Or what hurts. And so we have to kind of deliberately say like, okay, anything that is pleasant right now or anything that is beautiful right now, or anything that is right right now, right? And then to just see, and then that, that is really available any moment. So you could say like, well, the temperature is just right right now, right? Or, I mean, for me in this moment, the absence of physical pain is amazing, right? That's something that we often overlook yeah. to even think about when we're not in pain, which yeah. is like, whoa, I have no pain, yay, right? So that... <laughs> <laughs> right um and so really these small things where you could say like oh i like the way my sweater feels so something really really small like we often look so far for joy and happiness and it's actually literally at our fingertips so that is a really good start so people don't even need to feel they need to close their eyes or they can do that of course and feel the breath i mean that's like the traditional breath meditation right but even more simple become aware where you are come back into your body right because most of us most of the time are not in our body yeah in the head and in particular when you have physical pain you don't want to be in the body right yeah. and so what I'm often saying is like, right, the mind has the capacity or not the capacity, actually what it does, it automatically hyper-focuses on the areas that are in pain and it mm -hmm. feels kind of, it excludes everything else. But what we can do right now, so often, more often than not, people don't have whole body pain. I mean, some people do, but most people don't. And then you can say, okay, so there's this area, let's say you have lower back pain, that is there. And then what about the rest of your body? I, I'm going to have to interrupt. And I'm really sorry because we only have about yes. a minute left here. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that acknowledging um, the other part of your body, the rest of your body is huge. Because like you said, you know, your fingertip probably doesn't have the pain, you know, or little things. And, yeah. and just getting to look at it, the broad picture. So really quickly in one sentence, if you can, what's next for you? You came out with this great book and it, it's beautiful. What's, what's next for you? And any last words you'd like to leave with our audience? Next is just keep going, keep remembering to be present. I mean, that's for me. And I really hope that's for everybody else too. Right now, yeah. just right now. <laughs> oh, right now. And, and that's the moment that matters it's the only yeah. moment we have power over so oh beautiful thank you so much dr thank you. christiana wolf um it's a I pleasure and i it. hope to have you on the show again because uh, you have so much to share and your genius is amazing and you are truly an inspiration so thank you for thank being you. here today thank you for having me thank you bye-bye Thank you everyone for watching Inspiration Whispers. In a world where inspiration and purpose is so needed, we find it to help you make real change. I'm your host, Coach Riley. Thank you again for watching.